Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, commenting, donating, and praying for us. And for going to BrotherLance.com to get the free PDF of this teaching. So a lot of these churches nowadays with a, a prosperity gospel and this idea of comfort and ease, we're sold the idea that Christianity is all there just to make you happy and comfortable and provide all your needs. But like me and Angel were talking earlier, there's not one person you can point to in the scripture that ever happened for. There's not one prophet, one uh, disciple. It didn't happen to Jesus. It didn't happen to any of the writers of the Bible. None of them lived this comfort life of ease. No, they were soldiers for Christ and for God and would go out and they suffered loss and lack and hardship and pains and aches. We're going to be covering that. Jesus tells us that's going to happen to us. And so we have to understand that like the Christian life isn't about just making life good and happy and easy. It's about expending ourselves for the cause of Christ, for the gospel, to spread the gospel to the world, to be a light, to be the salt, and to help bring about the change God is requiring, and that's repentance. Satan isn't worried about backsliding people. Pe Satan isn't worried about people in the world. Satan isn't worried about anybody but the Christians. Because they're the only ones that have salvation, have the authority to defeat him. So where if you were going to invade a country, where would you focus your efforts? Common sense tells you you'd focus at the sources of power. You'd infiltrate the churches. That's happening. You'll have many false believers. You have many denominations. You'll have people running amok and, and telling lies and heresies, right? And so what we have to be aware of is the Bible tells us to beware of the tricks of the devil. And that's what we're doing right here. So, right? And that's how we are in the world now. Everything's lawful. You can be a homosexual. You can, you can be a pedophile, practically. You can marry young girls in California that are 14 years old. You can do anything you want. You can be an adulterer. You can have multiple wives. You can do anything you want. You just can't be godly. That, well, that's a step too far for the world. You, you're an offense. Same thing is happening in the churches. They call it seeker-friendly. You can be whatever. Just come in. No. Jesus says it's better to cut off parts of the body so you can go into heaven maimed instead of the whole body being thrown into hell, right? And so the churches have gotten too, too relaxed. They've lowered the standards so low, they have no standard. And so right now in churches, if you really want to raise a banner high and be like, no, this is the mark that we're all reaching to, or none of us are going to be perfect. That's impossible. But we all have standards. It's just like driving. There's a law to drive. It doesn't mean every time we drive, we, we don't break a law or stop too far in a stop sign or go into a crosswalk or something like that. But that's still the standard. It doesn't change It's because we don't meet it. Right. And so we have to understand that God has a standard and we have to rise up to it in the power of the Holy Spirit. He can help us get there. God has provided and done all these beautiful things for us. At what point do we not turn back and go, yes, Lord, what can I do to make you happy? How can I glorify you? How can I bring joy to your name and to your face and to your heart and do what's pleasing in your sight? How can I be like Jesus? Dear Father, we praise you. We thank you so much that uh, David could be here with us today and that you answered our prayers and got him here safely and that you'll get him back home safely and that you're being with uh, Sarah and Cody and Lorian and healing them of their sicknesses and keeping their bodies strong and protecting us from getting sick. So we glorify your name in that. Please bless our Bible study. Give us your Holy Spirit. Guide us to your truth. Help us understand and be able to apply it to our hearts and minds and do the what is pleasing in your sight, Father. And we love you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Amen. All right, so this is Escape from Babylon, the series, part 15. I can't imagine that there's been 15 of these so far, but it's a free a flee from Babylon, you precious treasure of God. So the, the Bible study starts off kind of hardcore because this is the warning Jesus gives us, but it, the whole Bible is really about how we are a peculiar people for God, a special treasure separated and different from the world. And so... Uh, and this whole series is like, you know, in the book of Revelation, he tells us to flee from Babylon, the Babylonian system, the harlot system, the, the mixing of the holy and the profane, and how God is supremely worried about that for us. And as we know in the Bible, Jesus even said that at the end of time, that the, the deception will be so bad that even the elect could be deceived. Right. And so without knowing the Bible, knowing scripture, we won't know what to look for to know the difference between true and the fake, you know, because Satan represents himself as an angel of light. And so we have to be aware of that. So let's go. It says fake Christianity is nothing more than idolatry with a made up Jesus as the edifice of the worship. Just like in the days when Jesus walked the earth, the popular social, social acceptable church is on its deathbed, powerless to change the world, content with worldly gain and goods, completely lacking in true riches and wealth, blind, naked, alone, and empty-hearted. And that's from the book of Revelations. It, is, it extends its rotten, decaying finger to a holy God, ever begging for yet another handout and blessing of material wealth. The corpse of the popular church is wretched, filled with disease and unclean. We all must flee the houses of spiritual death, shake the dust off our feet, and move on to the promised land of God. We must be separate from the world system in it as we live here, but not of it. We are in the tre we are the treasure of God, the very God of the universe. Let us not be like the rebellious children of the world, lying to ourselves that they know God, when all they know is selfish disobedience and lust for comfort and ease. This is not new as we read in the following verses. Now, that seems harsh, but if you go into Revelation 3, 14 through 22 that's where we get it from so and that's jesus's words and so uh let's look at isaiah 31 plus 9 through 11 so G god has been dealing in this with his children in israel so long if you read the old testament it's they got with god they got right and then they rebelled and slid back and would worship idols and then god would rebuke them and it's just this cycle and then they'd repent and get right with god and over and over and over nothing's new in the sun so the christianity is doing the same thing it's been that way since the very beginning and so Let's find out. Isaiah 31, 9 through 11. Woe to the rebellious children, says Yahweh, who takes counsel, but not for me, who makes an alliance, but not with my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. For it is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear Yahweh's law or tell the seers, don't see until the prophets don't prophesy to us right things. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy deceits. Get out of the way. Turn away from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from us. And so a lot of these churches nowadays with a, a prosperity gospel and this idea of comfort and ease we're sold the idea that Christianity is all there just to make you happy and comfortable and provide all your needs but like me and Angel were talking earlier there's not one person you can point to in the scripture that ever happened for there's not one prophet one uh, disciple they didn't happen to Jesus didn't happen to any of the writers of the Bible none of them lived this comfort life of ease no they were soldiers for Christ and for God and would go out and they suffered loss and lack and hardship and pains and aches we're going to be covered that Jesus tells us that's going to happen to us and so we have to understand that like the Christian life isn't about just making life good and happy and easy it's about expending ourselves 
for the cause of Christ, for the gospel, to spread the gospel to the world, to be a light, to be the salt, and to help bring about the change God is requiring, and that's repentance. Okay, and so it says, flee, run for your lives in your very souls. Revelation 17, 5 through 6, it says, and on her forehead are names written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the, uh, the mother of the prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered with great amazement. And I put a note there. It says, please note that she is a mother of harlots. This means that she has children and daughters that go out from her. These are the false churches and denominations of Lucifer and fake Christians. Christianity. Because as we talked about in this series before, Satan isn't worried about backsliding people. Pe Satan isn't worried about people in the world. Satan isn't worried about anybody but the Christians. Because they're the only ones that have salvation, have the authority to defeat him. Right. So where if you were going to invade a country, where would you focus your efforts? Mm. Common sense tells you you'd focus at the sources of power. You would infiltrate the churches. That's happening. You'll have many false believers. You have many denominations. You'll have people running amok and, and telling lies and heresies, right? And so what we have to be aware of is the Bible tells us to beware of the tricks of the devil. And that's what we're doing right here. So so here we have Mystery Babylon. Okay, so let's read Revelation 18, 4 through 6. And it says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you have no participation in her sins, that you don't receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to the sky. And God has remembered her iniquities. Return to her, uh, return to her just as she returned, and repay her double as she did, and according to her work, and the cup of which she mixed, mixed her double. Right? So God, God is telling us, my people, come out of the Babylonian system. Right? Because right? whores and harlots in the Old Testament are people that would mix the holy and profane religions. So they would take uh, the worship of Yahweh and mix it with the religions of the world. And that's why in the Old Testament, you have God always calling these people that you're prostitutes. You guys are whoring yourselves, mm -hmm. you know, because they're taking the true and the false and mixing them together. And so here where it says to pay her double, I put a lot of references there for you to look up on your free time. That was the payment if you stole something. Okay, so in Exodus 22, 4, it says, basically, if you stole something and you got caught, you had to pay back double. So when it says here to pay her back double, it means she has stole something. She has deceived the people of God. Because who is this called to? This is called to God's people. So these, the people of God right now are in Babylon. And that's what this whole series is about. Come out of that. Get away from that. Run from that. Right? And come and be filled with the true understanding and knowledge of Jesus Christ and what the Bible has to say. And so, and what is the warning? It says that that, that evil system of the world is going to get double the payment. So for every one sin they did, they're going to get twice the punishment. And he says, leave so you don't have to partake in that punishment. Right? And so we want to get out of that. We, we need to identify it, which we've been doing. And then we want to flee from it. Okay, top of page two, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness and iniquity? And what fellowship has light with darkness? And what agreement has Christ with Belial? And what portion has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, even as God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I'll be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be to you a father. You will be to my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. 
Lord Almighty. And so what is he saying there? And this is 2 Corinthians. So Paul's telling these people, like, listen, stop interacting with the unbeliever. Stop doing these things. Now, if you're there to spread the gospel, that's fine. That's not what he's saying. He says, stop trying to be buddy-buddy with the false systems, with the, the profane, the things that Christ hates, the things that God hates, the things that are an offense to him, that do not give him glory and honor and worship. Flee those things, right? And so a lot of people are in churches that are worshiping those very things. You can turn on television, you see pastor begging for a 65 million dollar jet you know because they need it I'm, you don't need a jet fly coach you know you, i mean it's ridiculous we, samples abound I, I won't get too much into it but samples abound so here we have the poet i'm i'm, I'm gonna butcher this okay so the poet montanaeus expresses this thought well so this guy old back in the day of rome it says ye who desire to live a godly life depart for although all things are lawful at rome yet to be godly is unlawful Right. And that's how we are in the world now. Everything's lawful. You can be a homosexual. You can you can be a pedophile. Practically, you can marry young girls in California that are 14 years old. You can do anything you want. You'd be an adulterer. You can have multiple wives. You can do anything you want. You just can't be godly. That Well, that's a step too far for the world. You're, you're an offense. Same thing is happening in the churches. They call it seeker friendly. You can be whatever. Just come in. No. Jesus says it's better to cut off parts of the body so you can go into heaven maimed instead of the whole body being thrown into hell. Right. And so the churches have gotten too, too relaxed. They've lowered the standards so low they have no standard. And so right now in churches, if you really want to raise a banner high and be like, no, this is the mark that we're all reaching to. And none of us are going to be perfect. That's impossible. But we all have standards. It's just like driving. There's a law to drive. It doesn't mean every time we drive, we, we don't break a law or stop too far in a stop sign or go into a crosswalk or something like that. But that's still the standard. It doesn't change it's because we don't meet it. Right. And so we have to understand that God has a standard and we have to rise up to it in the power of the Holy Spirit. He can help us get there. So here's the example of duality. The city of Babylon. OK. Revelation 18, 2 through 3. He cried with a mighty voice saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And she has become the habitations of demons, a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean, hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her sexual immorality. That's spiritual immorality. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich from the abundance of her luxury. Right. So this is where God, Jesus is telling us, flee this. Flee this system. Flee this. We have to be in the world. We don't have to be a part of it, right? And so we don't have to invest in the things the world says are important. We invest into, into people because God says people are important, right? And so we give ourselves to be a living sacrifice for the cause of Christ. Not to get the nice house or the nice car. Those are fine if you can afford it. It's not a big deal. But that's not your goal. That's not your drive. That, you don't wake up in the morning and go, I got to pay this mortgage. You're, you should wake up in the morning and go, hey, I got to serve Christ today. I got to be a light to the world today, right? I got to go do something for the Lord. So Revelation 18.10 says, standing far away from the fear of her torment, saying, whoa, whoa, the great city of Babylon, the strong city for her, your judgment has come in one hour, right? And so you got Jesus warned us, flee so you don't partake in this, right? So uh, here's the comparison. City, New Jerusalem. Right? Where are we fleeing to? Revelation 21, 2 through 3. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice out of heaven saying, Behold, God's dwelling is with his people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. 
right? And so in our very first Exposing Faith Christianity, this is part one, we went through all the Bible verses exposing the duality we find in the Bible that, you know, God has his prophets, Satan has his prophets. God has the Lord's Supper, Satan has the Lord's Supper. And we went through that whole list. Right. And then when we did the fake Jesus one, we went through how there's the real Jesus and the fake Jesus clearly told us in Scripture. Well, this is that next part. There's a, a the Babylon, which is the fake and the New Jerusalem, which is a real. Right. And so Jesus says the kingdom of heaven has already come because it's inside of us. Right. So we don't see it with observation. By being obedient to God, repenting, having faith in Jesus Christ, we have been translated into this new kingdom. We have flee, flo, uh, we have flown away, flo, uh, fleeing from Babylon and run away and ran into New Jerusalem. And that's where we want to be. So now that we have this basic understanding, we're going to get into the meat of this Bible study. What is that like? That's hard. Okay. And that's what the, the whole point of this Bible study is. It's not easy. There's a lot of, of stuff that comes along with it that makes it difficult. And there's a lot of costs to be paid. And with our loved ones and our family and jobs and everything, I mean, it's tough. And so we start off right here. We count it all lost as we walk out and leave it all behind. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. However, I consider those things that were gained to me as lost for Christ. Yes, most certainly, and I count all things to be a loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and count them nothing but refuse, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own, that which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So what is he saying though i have lost all things i have put all things on the altar i have given it up i did not let anything hinder me from walking forward and being obedient to christ is it friendships is it marriages is it jobs is it goals it's desires if it's wants if it's needs to say i have given it all up right and that's what all christians are supposed to do there's not one exception in all of christianity that christians don't all have to put it all on the altar we have to give all, christ everything and now we have to trust him to take care of our needs, to look after us, to watch us and bless us and keep us, which he promises to do. He says, the father knows you have need of all these things, but seek first the kingdom of heaven. Right. And so what happened is <laughs> I, I, I texted that funny meme. It's like when you realize all the temptations that Satan put on Jesus and his 40 days of fasting is the prosperity gospel they teach in churches. It says God will always take care of you. You can do whatever you want. Throw yourself off the building. Right. And what's the next one? I will give you the worlds and the kingdoms, right? He shows them all the kingdoms. He's like, you can have everything. God wants you to be prosperous. And then bread, right? Tempt God. And instead of trusting for your needs, do it on your own. It's just literally the same three things, right? And if we look at the parable of the sowers, one of the seeds that were cast out in the parable of the sowers was choked by wealth and the concern of the, uh, the needs of this life. But what do we hear in churches constantly? Wealth and the needs of this life. Where is the where is the sermon? Invest into your kingdom in heaven. Send your wealth uh, uh, onward. You know that old saying, "My ship is coming in." Right back in the day, where they used to have treasure ships and they'd go off and come back. That's how we as Christians need to be. Our ship is out to sail. It's coming in when Jesus comes back, and then we get to keep it forever. You know, moth and rust don't hurt it. Thieves don't steal. Right. But if we're all concerned about piling high and deep here on earth, mm -hmm. then we're, we're Jesus says wherever our heart, our treasures, that's where our heart is also.
Now, I have nothing against God prospering people. He does that for the gospel, you know, so they can help fund the gospel and spread the gospel. And I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking that should not be our focus. If we go to church every day and every day it's a new thing about how God's going to prosper you, you're going to be good. Life's going to be great. Don't worry about it. Keep moving forward. <laughs> That's bilge. How about the true thing? But we're going to read what Jesus says, that all who live righteous are going to suffer persecution. That's the truth. That's that's the Bible. But if you're not living righteous, then don't worry about it. You won't. And guess what? You're of no use to God. Okay. So God's special treasure. First Peter 2, 9 through 12. But you are a, choice, a chosen race. Top of page 3. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Praise God. That you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who in times past were no people, but now are God's people, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as foreigners and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lust, that which war against your soul, having good behavior among the nations, so that in which they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, but which they see, glorify, glorify God in the day of visitation. Right? So we belong to God. We're his special treasure his his prized possession he he's he paid the for us by the blood of jesus christ how important are we so at what point do we go i'm your special treasure god but this house is my special treasure that is wrong that's right this relationship is my special this my my goal is my special treasure and none of that in what relationship does it ever work where it's one-sided it doesn't. So like I'm at my wife's at home taking care of my kids so I can be here doing this because she has my back and I'm I have her back. She knows I sacrifice for her, look out for her, protect her, do everything I can to make her life as smooth and easy as possible and problem free. That's partnership. How is it any different with us and God? God has provided and done all these beautiful things for us. At what point do we not turn back and go, yes, Lord, what can I do to make you happy? How can I glorify you? How can I bring joy to your name and to your face and to your heart and do what's pleasing in your sight? How can I be like Jesus? Most modern translations lose the plot in this amazing verse. 1 Peter 2, 9, which we just read up there. It says, are you a choice race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people acquired? This is Young's literal translation. It's a word-for-word -word translation from the Greek. Acquired. That's a very important thing to understand. Acquired that the excellence you may show forth of him who out of darkness did call you to his wondrous light. That's Young's literal translation. So if we look in the concordance and read acquired, it's Strong's concordance G4047. I'm not even going to try to do the Greek. It says acquisition, the act or the thing by extension and preservation to obtain peculiar purchase, possession, or savings. Right. And so why is it so important that they fail to... Uh, Adequately, and most translations leave it out. So if you're not in there looking at what words mean, you miss it. Because let's look, as we see here in the verse, connected to this beautiful truth, Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the assembly of the Lord God, which he purchased or acquired with his own blood. Right, so let's read 1 Peter 2, 9 again with that understanding. And you are a choice, a, a, a choice race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people acquired. Mm -hmm. How is it acquired? It is by the blood of Jesus. Right? So if God held nothing back to buy you, to purchase you back to himself, how do we ever get off trying to think we can hold back from God? 
Like, he's going to do that, but now he's done that. We're good. We can just have the good life and hold back from God now. That doesn't work. It's also very offensive, you know, because imagine if you sacrifice everything for someone you love in your life and they go, oh, that's nice. And they just walked off and forgot about you. When are you going to do it again? Do it again. I want you to do it again. And then they walk off. And the next time they need something, please do it again. We're doing that to God. Do it again, God. Bless me again, God. Answer my prayer, God. Do this for me, God. I need you to be there when I need you to be there, but I'm not going to be there for you. Right. It's wrong. All right. So a peculiar people, we are fools to the world by treasure to God. Uh, sorry, we are fools to the world, but treasure to God. Peculiar. So I'm, I, I put the definition up front so we could see it first. It's Strong's Concordance G4041. It says, uh, from the present participle feminine of a compound of another word beyond uh, being beyond usual, that is special, one's own, a peculiar thing, right? So Titus 2, 11 through 15 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that have having denied ungodliness and worldliness, we should live discreetly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself... Uh, for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar slash special people zealous of good works. Oh, we have to do stuff? Verse 15, speak these things and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Right? So we are a peculiar special people for God. So what does that mean? If if I take, you know, if I have a Mickey Mantle uh, uh, rookie card and I show it to you, that's a peculiar treasure. And then if I take and I give you a, a box of Topps baseball cards from last year, which one's special? It would be the Mickey Mantle card. You're right. It's the one. Or if I give you a fake gold ring and a real gold ring, it's the same thing. So if God says you are peculiar, you are special, you are different, don't try to act like what you have been made different. Like you don't try to be like them. God has made you special. Why are you trying to act unspecial and act like the world? That makes no sense, right? So down here at the top, uh, bottom of page three, it says, what was he referencing here? When he made Israel a nation, they were his peculiar people. Now we, the believers of Jesus Christ, Jews and Gentiles alike, are his peculiar people being made into our one new man in Christ Jesus, separate from the world. So peculiar in the Old Testament, or H, uh, the above letter was G, so that's Greek, and the H is H for Hebrew. It says, feminine pa uh, passive participle of unused root, meaning to shut up wealth, as closely shut up jewel, peculiar treasure, proper good, and special. It says, Exodus 19, 5-6. And now if you will obey my voice and indeed keep my covenant, when you shall be a peculiar treasure to me above all the nations from all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the sons of Israel. As we've learned that all believers in Jesus Christ are new spiritual Israel. We've been grafted into faithful Abraham. So all the promises of Israel belong to Christians. Right. And those who believe in Jesus, all who do not believe in Jesus are cut off at the root, the Bible says, and they are no more. So believe in Jesus, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. But we are his peculiar treasure above all the nations. Right. So we're special. Deuteronomy 14, 2. For you are a holy people to Yahweh, your God. And Jehovah has chosen you to be a peculiar people to himself above all the nations that are on the earth. 
Again, Deuteronomy 26, 17 through 19. You have said that Jehovah is your God and that you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and listen to his voice. And Jehovah has taken you today to be his peculiar people, special treasure, as he promised you, and to keep all his commandments and to make you high above all the nations which he has made you in praise and in his name and honor and that you may be holy people to Jehovah your God, even as he has spoken to you. So what made him separate? What was the signifying thing? You kept his commandments, his judgments, and his ways. You obeyed him. That's why he said, listen, you guys are going to be a peculiar people, but what's going to make you peculiar is that you're actually going to do what I want you to do. How did the Garden of Eden all start? Hey, guys, you have everything you want. Don't eat that tree. The knowledge of good and evil, don't touch it. And in this, we have unity. Obey me. Right? And in Deuteronomy, it says, listen, keep my commandments, right? And then in the New Testament, it's still keep your commandments. Look at the very last chapter of the book of Revelation. But you keep the commandments. Have the right to tree of life and enter into the city and gates thereof. And other verses in the in book of Revelation. So it's obedience is from beginning to end. It started with obedience. It literally, the last chapter in the book of Revelation ends with obedience. I mean, so there's no getting around that God wants us to obey him. And that obedience provides the signification of those who are peculiar to him and those who are not. Okay, so Psalms 135, 4 through 5, for Yahweh has chosen Jacob to himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know that Yahweh is great and our Lord is above all gods. Right. So we are special. We are different. We are made to be different. So let's see how this applies. A light before humanity. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its flavor, what will it be salted? Is it then good for nothing but to cast out and trodden under feet of men? You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a measuring basket, but on a stand. And it shines to all who are in your house. Even so, let your light shine before men. They, they may see your good work and glorify your God who is in heaven, right? So how many Christians are losing their saltiness? How many Christians are losing their light? How many Christians are failing to be like Christ and follow his example of extreme obedience to do those things that please God, seek after those things that please God and be a voice for righteousness? What did Jesus come preaching? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The disciples, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what is our call? Like somehow it changed. Our call is repent from your sins for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is a warning. Stop sinning, guys. God is coming. That's what it says. Stop your sin. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. God is coming back. You don't want to be caught up in your sin when God comes back. That's going to be bad for you. We want you not to do that. Stop it. Come and hang out with us. Right? So the world is not worthy of you. I, I take so much comfort in this verse. I'm telling you right now. Hebrews 11, 31 through 40. It says, by faith, this is the, you know, the faith chapter. This is a little part of it. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, having received the spies and beasts. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me if I told of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, uh, David, Samuel, and the prophets, and who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked out righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong, grew mighty in war, and caused foreign armies to flee. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others were tried by mocking and scourging. Yes, moreover, by bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn apart. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They went around in sheepskins and in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy. 
That blows the prosperity gospel out of the water. These people had nothing and had all these ill treatments in their life, all this burden and persecution and loss. And God says, these people, the worthy is not even worthy of your presence. So just think of that. The globe we sit on, this, this rock is not worthy of you. If you live righteously for God in Christ, you might suffer lack. You might be in need. You might have stress and strain, hurt and heartache. You might have people saying bad things about you and lying about It doesn't matter. Jesus, rejoice. The world is not worthy of your, your presence at all because you have been translated out of this kingdom into his kingdom. And we know this rock is going to burn. Malachi, the earth will burn with fervent heat. It's going to get torn up. Continuing on for verse 38. Wandering in deserts, mountains, and caves, and the holes of the earth, these all, having had testimony given to them through their faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided some better things concerning us, so that apart from us they should not be made perfect. In other words, we're all going to heaven together. In other words, they suffered all this lack without seeing the fulfillment of their hope. But it is coming. It is coming. Jesus is coming back, and his reward is with me. That's what he says. Behold, I come back quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone a course according as they shall be. Whoever is just, let him be just still. Whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still. Top of page five. It says, walk worthy of the one who called you. Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to walk worthily of the calling which you were called. With all lowliness, humility, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being eager to keep the unity of the spirit and the bonds of peace. There, there is one body and one spirit, and even as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in us all. But teach one of us was, uh, but to each one of us was the grace given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Right. So where do we find the unity? There's so many denominations. God has His people everywhere, and everybody's at a different stage of learning. I was in that. A lot of people I've known were in that, and so we're not. I hate this. Like we're the one denomination. That's so stupid and arrogant, <laughs> you know. Because God is calling His people. Because what did He see? Come out of her, my people, Babylon. Come out of Babylon. So we know God has people in Babylon, and that these people are living up to the light they know. And they need to get more light and they need to get deeper in the word and get more understanding and get more serious about their walk with Christ. And they need to be pulled out of it. Right. But we have to walk worthily in Christ Jesus. OK, so Colossians 1, 9 through 14. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard, did not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthily of the Lord to all his pleasing, being fruitful in every work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being empowered with all power, according to the might of his glory, to all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father, who has made us to meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. For he has delivered us from the power of darkness, amen, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the remissions of our sins. Praise God. First Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12. You and God are witnesses how holy and justly and blamelessly we were to you who believe, even as you know how we exhorted and comforted and testified to each one of you as fathers to his children that you should walk worthy of God who has called you to his kingdom and glory. So what are we learning here? Walk worthy. Do what is pleasing in God's sight. 
Don't act like, you know, like your parents aren't looking and you're off doing negative things. You know, you get in trouble if you got caught. God's always watching, right? Act like God is always with you because guess what? If you're a believer, he is, right? Ask for that help in the, in the Holy Spirit to overcome your sin. Ask for that help in the Holy Spirit to stop having negative thoughts or to be addicted to whatever you're addicted. You know, ask God for the help in the power of the Holy Spirit to break that demonic burden and get on with your life because God has come to give you freedom and self-control. The devil has come to bind you up and to destroy you. So Revelations 3, 4 through 5. Nevertheless, you have a few names in Sardis that didn't defile their garments. They will walk with me in white for they are... Worthy. He who overcomes will be arrayed in white garments, and I will in no way blot his name out of the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Right? So we wanted to be counted worthy. So this is one of the churches in the book of Revelations of the Seven. And Sardis, there's some people getting it right. And he's like, you guys have been doing it right. So you will not be blotted out of the book of life, which most people don't know. That can happen. It's in the Bible. And so, and the, I'm going to clothe you in white, and you will walk with me. That's what we want to be doing. Luke 21, 31 through 36. This says, even so you also, when you see these things happen, know that God's kingdom is near. Most certainly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things are accomplished. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will no way means pass away. So be careful or your hearts will be loaded down with carousing, drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day will come on you suddenly. For it will come like a snare on those who dwell in the surface of all the earth. Therefore, be watchful all the time, praying that you may be counted worthy to escape all the things that will happen and to stand before the Son of God. It's part of my prayer every night, right? To be protected from evil, to be able to stand in his presence, right? And so we have to understand that we don't want to be burdened with the cares of life. Yes, we all have to deal with life, but people in this world get so focused in this life. And we need to get our minds off of just this life and realize, yes, we got to live. We got to pay bills. We got to eat. We got to do these things, but that's fine. But that can't be our, our sole focus, our sole concern, right? Because you know, what did uh, Solomon say? Vanity, vanity, all is vanity, right? And in, in, in that this guy was the richest man in the world, had everything. And he goes, guess what? It's pointless. Fear God, keep the commandments, the whole duty of man, everything else. Enjoy your work, enjoy your food. Cause it's pointless. Because he goes, guess what? You're going to die. You're going to leave it to your children. Who knows what they're going to do with it? Well, Sam, Solomon, uh, guess what your children did with it? <laughs> you know, uh, divided your kingdom, you know, got arrogant. All right. Uh, are we on Second Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12? To this end, we also pray always for you that our God may count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire of goodness and work of faith with power that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. So we want to walk worthily, right? Top of page six. As we're trucking along here for the true believer, there is no other way. OK, so Jesus said, by your fruits, you will know them. Okay, John 6, 27 through 29. Don't work for the food which perishes, but for the food which remains eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For God the Father has sealed him. They said, therefore, to him, what must we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Right. So what is this saying? He's just saying that, listen, you know, Bible says a man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than a dog. Right. A man doesn't work. Shouldn't eat. So it's, we're not saying that, like, you should quit your job unless God is telling you to quit your job. And then, then do that. But he's saying, don't let that be your, your like your burden in life. It's just something you do. It's not who you are. How many how many times people you talk to somebody? Hey, nice to meet you. Tell me about yourself. And they tell you their job. 
It's the first thing they do. Why work here? Mm-hmm. That's not you. Your job is not you. It's not what makes you tick. It's not who your heart is. It's not how you treat people. But it's the thing we tell everyone. It makes no sense to me. Well, that's great. Who cares? What are you going to do when you're retired? Your whole person is going to disappear? No, I'm retired. Uh, I don't know what to tell you now. Then they'll say, I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm like, well, no, that's not you. Like me, I'm Lance McClintock. I love Jesus with all my heart. I want the world to know Jesus. I live for Jesus. I preach Jesus. I make my family run after Jesus. My whole life is around Jesus. That's right. And to raise up my godly family. That is me. <laughs> right? So if you want to say, tell me something about yourself. Okay. I love Jesus. That's me. Right? Right. It's nice. I can tell you that I've been operations manager. I've been production manager. I've hired, fired. I did all these things. Help companies out. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Guess what? That company's going to disappear one day. <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> so if you really want to know who Lance is, Lance is a lover of Jesus. Be one too. All right. Top of page six. For the true believer, there is no other way. Okay. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious for your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, not yet for your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food in your body, more than your clothing? See the birds of the sky that they don't sow, neither do they reap, neither do they gather in the barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you of much more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add one moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, neither do they spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was was uh, was not dressed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today exists and tomorrow is sown into the oven, won't he much more clothe you? You have little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we be clothed with? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Each day's own evil is sufficient. Here's the problem. Being a person has actually tried to walk this out. I'll tell you the problem with this verse. This is my personal experience and my, my failing and what I learned about myself. But God, is it going to be in the way I want? That's the problem. So like God, we're going to, I'm going to quit my job and do full-time ministry, uh, but I'm going to get to keep my house, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to get to eat the food I want to eat and I just be happy to eat, mm-hmm. right? And that's the problem. And that's why it's tough, you know, but he, Jesus says, do that and all these things will be added unto you. Right. So we have to get to that point where like we're not it looks almost careless and reckless and stupid to the world because it makes no sense to them. But if God tells you you need to be doing something, do something. Right. But I'm not saying what God told me to do is what everybody's supposed to do. But we all have to be listening like, yes, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? What is your will? Because God needs people in business. God needs people in jobs. God needs people everywhere. We all have our part to uh, to fulfill. But that can never be our overwhelming desire. Is for those things. Our desire has to be for the kingdom. Okay. So now as we close out here, the last one is brace for impact. So we, for, we started off with flee Babylon. Come out of that yuckiness, right? You're special. You're important to God. You're a peculiar treasure. God and Jesus love you. Be separate. Be different. Then we learned about how, hey, walk worthy. Do those things. As you're walking out, walk worthily. Do what is pleasing to himself. So now we're going to talk about persecution. Because when you decide to do it, we just talked about you're going to be persecuted. It's, I promise you, it's a guarantee. If you're not being persecuted, wonder about your walk with God. Because it's an imperative. Jesus says, well, I'm going to get him myself. It's promised to you. Okay? 
And so we have to understand if there's nothing going in in our life, are we being salty enough? Are we being a big enough light for God and Jesus? Right? Because if you're actually doing anything for the kingdom, you're going to get pushed back because the devil isn't going to sit on the sideline and be like, oh, he's at it again. You know? And so brace for impact. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. Don't think that I come to send peace on earth. I did not come to send peace, but a sword. This is Jesus. For I come to set a man at odds against his father and a daughter against his mother, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's foes will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves sons or daughters more than me isn't worthy of me. He who doesn't take his cross and follow after me isn't worthy of me. He who seeks his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. This is not saying don't love your family. He's just saying when you truly decide to follow me, it's going to cause rips and tears and breaches in relationships because you're going to go somewhere they can't go and they don't want to go and they hate you for going. Right. And he's saying, but if you let that stop you from going, you're not worthy of the one who called you. I didn't say this. Jesus said this. So if anything is in your life holding you back from going hard for God, being excited for Jesus, putting the kingdom of heaven as number one, then that is wrong. We need to repent of that and get right with God and ask God for help to overcome that. Okay. So when you become special to God, you often become important to the devil. Okay. And I'm going to read that again. When you become special to God, you often become important to the devil because you become powerful the devil is not to be feared he should be respected he is powerful but in christ jesus you have the authority to defeat him yeah. and he knows that once you walk that path once you get on his yes. on god's time scale and his authority and the power of blood of jesus you become a problem Right? And that's what he doesn't want you to figure out. So he wants you to be wrapped up in the cares of this life, getting the promotion, getting getting the goods, getting the vacations, getting all these things. And I'm not saying none of the I'm not saying any of that's wrong. It's the priority we place on it that becomes wrong. I would love to take my family on a vacation. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely would love it. <laughs> right? But it's not happening. Because we have put the kingdom of God first. And guess what? We're going to get a permanent one in heaven. So I got plenty of it coming. Right? And so I can be joyous in that. But the point is, is that God wants us to have nice things. But the devil uses those nice things to turn them into idols. Mm -hmm. And we have to be very, very cautious about that. So let's read Acts 14, 22. They strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, We must enter the kingdom of God through many persecutions. Right. And so we will enter in the kingdom of God through many persecutions, trials and tribulations. Now, if you'll notice on your sheets. On all these verses, there's blue. Because Jesus gives a warning and then he gives an encouragement. Right. And it goes back and forth. And so we I don't want to just give the warning without giving the encouragement. So if you see it in blue, it's the encouragement that, listen, this is going to happen. But be encouraged. <laughs> Be encouraged. You're not going to, God's going to pay you back for it. Okay. So here's the thing about God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So sinners get paid. True story. Christians get paid too. Everybody gets paid. God, God pays his due. He pays his bill. He said, you do it my way. I'm going to give you something for your efforts. You don't do it my way. I'm going to give you something for your efforts. God is going to give out <laughs> blessings or curses. One or the other. You're either going to hell or you're going to heaven. He's paying. 
So don't think that God is derelict on his due and his his bill and what he said in his word returned void. No, he's going he, he could keep his word. So First Thessalonians three four. For most certainly, when we were with you, we told you beforehand that we are to suffer affliction, even as it happened, and you know. All right. And so these are disciples talking. So let's get to Jesus. John 15, 18 through 21. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Right. But because you are not of this world, since I chose you out of this world, that's the encouragement. You have been chosen out. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all thing, uh, these things to you for my name's sake because they don't know him who sent me. So Jesus says, what they did to me, they're going to do to you because they don't know God. Now, let's take hit the brakes. If none of these things are happening to you, then what are you doing with your life? All right. Top of page seven. Sorry. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people reproach you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Here's the encouragement. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Right. So rejoice. Be happy. Be excited. It's hard to be happy when you're being persecuted. But after the storm ends, be joyous. Because when we love people and they're mean to us, it's hard to be excited and happy in those moments. But once that storm comes and we process the emotions, we can have joy. We can say that was worth it. It'll be worth it one day. God will pay back to us beautiful things for our faithfulness in him. So John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble and suffering. That's a promise from Jesus Christ. All prosperity gospel people just go away because that's not, it's not even what Jesus has said to us. He's promised us suffering and trouble, but he also promised us his peace, right? And it says, but take courage, I have conquered the world, right? And so in all these things, we have peace through Jesus and we should be encouraged because the world that is persecuting us, hating us and trying to kill us, Jesus has conquered them. And the day is coming. He's going to set things straight. Revelation 2.10. Do not be afraid of these things you're about to suffer. The devil is about to have some of you thrown into prison. So you may be tested and you will experience suffering for 10 days. Remain faithful even to me to the point of death. Encouragement. And I will give you the crown that is the, is the life. Right? So remain faithful unto death. And he said, be encouraged. I'm going to give you a crown of life. So I love how he warns and then encourages because we need the encouragement. Right? So Revelation 7, 14 through 17. So I said to him, my Lord, you know the answer. Then he said to me, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Right? So these are the believers who've come out of the great persecution, the great tribulation that is coming. Now, before I read the promise, I want to say some. We know what lifting weights is, right? We lift weights. We go into the gym. We lift weights. We get sore. It hurts. It, it, ugh, I don't want to go back. Two days later, you get doms, right? And then you're sore for a couple days. But then your body grows back stronger. And then you go back to the gym and you keep repeating the process. 
That is the Christian walk. You get out, you go out, and you stretch yourself. You you try hard for the kingdom. You come back sore. It hurts. Your body is broken down. Your spirit is tired and weary, and you don't feel it. And then you rest up, and oh, God, I'm a little stronger this day. I'm going to go out and do it again. <laughs> yes, and then it's, it's, just, it, it's a process, and you keep doing it. But if you stay in the process... You will overcome. So verse 15, the encouragement. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And the one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will never go hungry or be thirsty again. And the sun will not beat down on them nor any burning heat. Because the lamb in the middle of the throne will be will shepherd them and lead them to the spring of living water. And God will wipe away, all, wipe away every tears from their eyes. So that's a beautiful thing. So we remember back what we just read in Hebrews earlier where it talked about the world's not worthy and that they were destitute and hungry and out in the fields and persecuted. And here we have the exact opposite. The sun's not going to hurt you. You're going to be fed. You won't be thirsty. I'll shepherd you and protect you. There's no worries, no concerns. You won't have no reason to cry. But what does that mean? That journey to that point is filled with tribulations, persecutions, trials, struggles, because it's a hard and difficult thing, and I don't want to lie to anybody to walk a righteous path for God. It is, it is, it is. But God even says it is, but guess what he said? He said, it's worth it. I will repay you. I will have something better for you on the other end. And to the magnifold of a hundred, because what did you just say? Anything give up in this life, you know, for me or the kingdom's sake, will be pressed down, overflowing, hundredfold. This life and the next. A hundred times. So what? Babylon gets paid double. We get paid back a hundred. So if you have to end a relationship with a friend because they're leading off the wrong path, don't worry. Hundredfold blessing. You don't get a promotion because you won't lie like it happened to me. Hundredfold blessing. Right? You give up a job or something because you want to seek God. Hundredfold blessing. So that's when God pays you back. It's a hundredfold blessing. Right? And so when, when Satan, now guys, just so you know, this is the real prosperity gospel. This is the real, the real one, right? That God is going to prosper you in a way and in a place that can never be harmed, never hurt, and never taken from you. Amen. Don't, don't mess your, your hard earned efforts and time here on earth. That's going to be blown up and consumed by his righteousness. Okay. So here we have, it says, be of good cheer. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only this, but we also rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, uh, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Right? So what do we have here? Know that suffering produces perseverance. It teaches us something. Suffering is a good thing. Don't hear that in church. Suffering teaches you, like with my, me and my family, I have learned so much about my wife and my kids and myself these past three years suffering through things and dealing with things it's easy to be happy when you 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 have a lot of money you get all your needs met and you're not having to figure out how to make life work but when you strip all that away and you're left with just everyday stuff of like well what are we eating today and then you see your wife not becoming a shrew and a hateful person being mad at you like in my case she never has been never complained never i didn't know that about my wife i would have never known that about my wife that she is that, I knew she was awesome, but now I know she's really awesome. You know, I have learned something new, you know, and my daughter, 
do in all the sacrifice my daughter she's old enough my kids sacrifice they don't understand it my daughter is old enough to understand these sacrifices right and her, the way she is responding and how much they value god they value christ and they value the spreading gospel so and like and suffering isn't that when we learn our our true friends people that really love us and want to come and help us it, it separates the fakers from the real exactly Right. And so what do you say? What do you lose from what do you learn from winning? Nothing. What do you learn from losing? You you learn a lot from losing. Right. And so people don't want to they're like, Lance, it's not the prosperity gospel. No, it's the eternal prosperity gospel that God allows these things to happen, to teach us, to mold us, to get off that 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 yuck on us that we have built up in our heart. Those things we don't even know we have in us. We all have it. I have it. We all have it. And God will continue to work at us and, and to break that stuff off and away from us so we can be more like him. None of us will be perfect before he comes back. But his goal is to help us to get closer and closer to him until we pass away or he returns. That's the goal, to be more like Jesus. And, and if that journey ever ends for you, I would be very concerned because that journey should never end. We'll never meet the like, I'm perfect moment. None of us will. But we can all get better and we can become more like Christ. And that should be our goal every day is to be pleasing in his sight, doing what he wants and being more like him. Like my four-year-old son, he wants to do everything daddy does. And everything I touch, what's that? What's that? What's that? Can I have a hug? What's that? I love you. What's that? You know? And that's how we need to be about God. God, what's that? What are you doing? Can I come with you? That's right. Because right? you said that if we don't accept the kingdom of heaven as little children, he doesn't say we all have to be small. It says that heart attitude of, oh, you say it, so it's true. Right. What are you doing? Can I go with you? I just want to be with you. You're the best thing ever. And then you get teenagers. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> don't become a spiritual teenager. <laughs> you know? But... Uh, <laughs> All right, Romans 8, 30, uh, 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Could oppression or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, even though it is written for your sake, we were all uh, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. Really funny. They... <laughs> they read that verse, but they don't read verse 36. Mm -hmm. They don't read like, you know, the, the rest of it. Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who had loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither die, uh, death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from God's love, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Right? So why we walk out of Babylon and we're searching God out, we're trying to be more like him, and we go through all these persecutions, nothing that happens to us will separate us from God's love. Right. To the very opposite. We're walking closer into God's love, experiencing more of God, right? And becoming closer to him. All right. So top of page eight, our last page as we close out here, the blueprint, Romans 12, 9 through 21. All right. Love must be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to that which is good. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness and honoring one another. Do not lag in zeal. Be enthusiastic in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Endure in suffering. Persist in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospi hospi uh, hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Re weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be conceited. Do not 
repay anyone evil for evil. Consider what is good before all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all peace people. If possible, it says, because some people just is not possible. Verse 19. Do not avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to uh, but give place to God's wrath for Israel and vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Rather, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping co burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Right? So you want a little blueprint as you're walking out of Babylon and how to interact with the world and your loved ones? It basically says, be like Christ, endure it, and keep moving moving forward. Don't let it change you. Don't let it change you. Don't let it change you because that's what the devil wants. He wants persecution, trials, and tribulations to change you, to change your goal. That's right. So you have to fight viciously to not let it change you. That's right. So you have to decide, this is who Lance is or who you are, and this is what I stand for, and this is my goals, and this is how I do things. And you have to coach yourself up I do it to myself and like, this is how I'm going to act and I'm not going to let this affect me in the way they want it to affect me. Right? Because ultimately I have to answer before God and I want him to be happy. I want him to be pleased with me. I want to put a smile on his face, not just because his grace is sufficient because my love is great towards him. Amen. Right? Jeremiah 17, 18, let them be disappointed who persecute me. It says, God will repay their wicked for what they do. Jeremiah 17, 18, let them be disappointed who persecute me, but let not me be disappointed. Let them be dismayed, but not, uh, but don't let me be dismayed. Bring on them the day of evil and destroy them with the double destruction. Just like in Revelation 18, 4 through 6, where God says he's going to pay Babylon double. Jeremiah says, here says, pay them double, Right. Second Thessalonians 1, 5 through 12. This is an obvious sign of the righteousness judgment of God to the end that he may be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which he also suffers since it is a righteous thing with God to repay affliction to those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted with us. And when the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, punishing those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the good news of our Lord Jesus, who, who will pay the penalty, eternal destruction from the face of the Lord and from the glory of his mind. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints, to be admired among all those who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we also pray always for you that our God may count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire of goodness and work of faith and power, that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it say? It's a righteous thing for in the day of judgment for God to say, hey, vengeance is mine. I told you not to react. Don't pay evil for evil. Don't worry. I got it covered. I haven't forgot what happened to you. I haven't forgot all the suffering you went through. I haven't got all the pain that you have endured for me. I have kept note. And these people, hopefully they repent and get right with God. But if they don't, God's like, no, I'm going to take care of that. Don't you worry. Right? Justice will be served. So if thing goes on and it looks like in life that, you know, the, the unrighteous are, are profiting and they're prospering and the righteous aren't. And then the righteous are afflicted, but the righteous, uh, the unrighteous, you know, get everything they want in life. Don't be disheartened. God has not forgotten. God is seeing it. He's noticing it. He's taking opportunity to give them grace and mercy and repentance. If they don't receive it, we all need it. We all deserve, deserve death and destruction outside of Jesus. You know, and we, he was patient with us. So let's not get mad if God is being patient with people in the world. Right. But the time will come that if they do not get right, they're going to get it. And it's a righteous thing for God to do it. 
So Romans 2, 5 through 11, it says, But according to your hardness and unrepentant hearts, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath, revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will pay back everyone according to their works, to those who by perseverance and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and incorruptibility, eternal life. That's us. But to those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, will be wrath and indignation, oppression and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, but glory and honor and peace and go to every man who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For this there is no partiality with God. Amen. So I wrote, let us flee the spiritual perversion. Let us free the, flee the world system. Let us walk worthy of the calling of Christ and receive the precious gift of salvation in Jesus' name. Right? And so we are peculiar. We are unique. We are separated from the world. Stop trying to be like the world. Be separate. Be unique. Be the salt. Be the light. Be the one they want to persecute because you're living so loudly for God and Christ. They can't ignore you. As we talked about in the past, they don't have a conscience for the Holy Spirit. They don't have a conscience for God. So you have to be the example of Jesus for them to look at you and go, oh, that's what Jesus is like. That's what a Christian's supposed to do. And what that does is it forces them to make a choice. Do I want to know more about that and be like them because they say Jesus is the way? Or do I want to try to snuff that out and persecute it? A lot of people try to persecute. But it is your calling as a Christian to live as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't get entangled in the affairs of this life and do what is pleasing in God's sight. Right? Because we're partnering with him and every effort you put in, you're going to get back a hundredfold. That's right. It is worth the effort. It is worth the suffering. It's worth the persecution. But Jesus says, why is the path to the destruction? But narrow is the path that leads to life. And very few find it. I am telling you the path. This is the path. Live righteously, godly, put God first, suffer the persecution, deal with it, keep moving forward, stay on the path. One glorious day, you'll get a hundredfold and eternal life and so many blessings you'll never remember it ever again. It'll flee from your mind right. and you'll be happy forever, all eternity. And more importantly, like in my book, we shall be like him. You will be made like Christ in heaven. The Bible clearly says it. Jesus himself says it in the book of Revelation. You receive what was given to him by God. He says, I will give you these things. I will give you a new name. I will give you thrones. I'll make them come and worship at your feet, Jesus said, and know that I am your Lord. Right? So you will get more. So don't worry. God is keeping score. He knows what's going on. But I'm telling you guys, you can't outgive him. You can't outdo him. And you can't outbless him. So let's, in our hearts, look at God and go, God, I want to be like you. I want to be that four-year-old boy or girl that says, what are you doing, God? Where are you going? What's this? Why are you doing that? And like a puppy dog on your heel and just never out of your presence and do what's pleasing. And just watch and see if God doesn't bless you in ways. And a lot of ways, like me and my wife, every night when we pray, uh, we always pray, thank you for your known and unknown blessings. Oh, yeah. Because God is blessing you in ways you don't even know. Right. Why do we have to wait for there to be a problem to say, thank you, God, for not letting there be a problem? That's right. Right? So every night, we thank you for your known and unknown blessings. Right? Because right now, like David, praise God, made it here safe. David, God wants to take David out. I mean, uh, Satan does. God wants to protect him. So God protects David, gets him here. Who knows the dirty tricks of the devil that was set up to try to take David out? Like the roads being bad and truckers, you know, all this kind of stuff from where he came from. But hey, look, he sits here at the table with us. Praise God. Yeah, yeah. You know, my journey here, you know. And so right now, 
The devil is always doing things. We're going to get to heaven, I have no doubt. And we're going to look back on our lives and we're going to see all these times that God did stuff for us that we knew nothing about. Right. And, and we're going to be mystified. We're going to be like, hey, so there's times where it feels rough and we feel down and out. And then God was like, well, you saw that one. You didn't see the hundred other things I stopped. All those attacks that you did not have to deal with. But I let this one in to teach you something to help you grow in me. And we have that confidence in Christians that nothing can touch us if we stand the will of God unless it goes through his hands. The world doesn't have that confidence. They're in a, in a system where they're just fighting for meaning in life and, and they're open to anything. You know, but we have that protection and that's where we want to be and that's where we want to stay. We do that by obeying God, keeping his commandments and following after his path and being sensitive to the spirit. And okay, God, what do you want me to do? That's what I'm doing. And I'm not going to sit there and talk myself out of it. I'm just going to do it. You know, like one day I'll give you a really good example. And uh, and then we'll close. Uh we didn't have a lot of money. We're, I needed to get groceries. So I didn't really know how we're paying for it. Uh, me and my daughter were go, had to get gas because we're almost out of gas. So I stopped at a gas station. I get gas. There's a car parking there. I'm pulling in the parking lot and God's like, give her a postcard, a gospel track. I was like, I don't really want to. Just to be honest, I got my own concerns. I'm just burdened with other things. No, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> right? And so I pull in and I'm like, hmm. And so... I was like, well, I go in to get gas and I'm still trying to ignore God. And God was like, give her a postcard. So I, I get out and I have the gospel postcards. I get my car. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I give her the, the, you know, the postcard. And I think I actually gave it for before I went in. I gave her it in and I got out of the car, gave it to her one. And then when I came back out, she was sitting in the car reading the postcard. And she gets out of the car and she's like, I've been keeping this for weeks now. And then hands me an envelope with over $200. I mean, just think of that. And God was like, I'm about to bless you, you moron. <laughs> do what I'm telling you to do and just do it and then you'll get blessed. But I was like, just, you know, we ain't getting those moods. And I've gotten those moods and, you know, I'm just being honest. And so praise God. So what does it say? You have to be open to whatever he's telling you to do. And in that, you don't know if it'll be a blessing or not, but you'll be blessed no matter what. You know, because I've given thousands of these things out and not everybody donates money like that. But it was at a very specific point on my way to get groceries, trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for the groceries. Mm -hmm. And God was like, got you covered, you know, but just be obedient to me. And uh, the lady's name was Jennifer and praise God for Jennifer. I pray for her every night now, Jennifer. you know, so she thought she was blessing me. But now we pray for her every night. I'll continue probably forever. But anyways, you know, and so the blessings reciprocate, you know. And so we have to be on that willingness that when we hear God go, oh, yes, Lord, I'll do that. Okay. It makes no sense to me. And I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. <laughs> you know, and so, and God understands that. But Jesus even gives the the, the parable is like the, yeah, the two servants about one servant says, hurts the master's will and say, yes, I'll do it. And the other one says, I don't do it. But the one who said he would doesn't do it. And the one who said he wouldn't goes and does it anyways. And he goes, who did the father, the master's will? The one who did it. So our responses initially don't always have to be great to still be in his will. But it's wise to react appropriately. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Daniel. Dear your Father, we praise you, we glorify you for this study, for this understanding, for your wonderful words that encourage us, Father, that as we leave this system, you bless us with the warning, the leave, so we don't get it. And we don't have to deal with the plagues and the suffering they'll go through, but too, that you're with us in this journey. 
that this world is not worthy of us, that you repay, that you have great and glorious things waiting for us. And all we have to do is just trust you and obey you and keep wondering after you. And that's what we do. So I ask you to bless everybody in this Bible study with the Holy Spirit to do that, to let down anything in our hearts or minds that are keeping us from fully going all out for you, that you'll not give up on us, that you continue to encourage us. And we plead upon grace and mercy to give us that powering influence in our life, that forgiveness that we need and not be burdened down with our sins. So we love you. We thank you and we glorify you in jesus name we pray amen. amen if you feel so led of the lord and want to know how to donate to this ministry outreach please visit brotherlance.com and scroll down to the bottom of the main page for the paypal link thank you and may god's blessing rest upon you brotherlance.com